Spags, anytime you can start a cold open with a piece of your steak salad still in your mouth, you got to do it. Look, the people demanded more ASMR steak salad, and we're giving them to giving that to them today. We're also going into week 17 because the NFL schedule came out. We're going to draft games for week 17 and tell you guys which ones we think could win your fantasy or best ball leagues. And oh, yeah, we are hitting the underdog best ball mania one more time. I'm up to 30 entries. Pete's going to make fun of my exposures right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, tell us about the steak salad. What, what, what temperature are we cooking that steak at? Um, I had steak last night for dinner, and so these are leftovers here. Um, I did, definitely medium rare. Um, mm -hmm. Nice little light dressing here. Lauren actually spun this one up for me. I uh, have had a very busy day running around, and... Um, you know, so we have to uh, we have to multitask today. We got to make it work. That is a sacrifice here, and I'm honestly proud of you, Pete, because I thought there was a like a faint chance you'd be a medium rare or like a medium steak guy. And as a medium rare steak guy, I think anybody medium, especially well, like if you're doing that steak well, I I think less of you as a human being and a man, really. Yeah, and that actually reminds me. Did you see the Sam Howell thing that he oh, um the only meat he eats is uh is chicken? He says he's he never doesn't had eat any burgers other. either, which is insane. Yeah, that is, um, I, I have officially adjusted the ranks after saying that. That's like a low T move, I would think. Do we think this is a real account or a bot? Deshaun Williams, 35. I would think a bot, but I want to believe he's here just trying to make friends. Good, funny. Um, say, say something unflattering about Drew Locke if you're not a bot. We will find out. <laughs> Say the nicest thing you can about Drew Locke. You know, Drew Locke, you look at him. That's a man who's seen the steak before goodness um i can't i can't with this drew lock stuff am i drafting on your account today right yeah we are um yeah we'll have to figure that out i thought about getting your so i think part of the issue if you followed along with our last few best ball drafts uh we've tried to do the drafts on my computer only for it to not be the size that pete approves of which is not making for an awful viewing experience which is what we care about the most for you guys on here and i think the issue might be that i'm not on your Streamyard account on this computer so we could try one more time on here, but I think we could also just have you do it on your computer and save that bit for Monday, maybe. I already just logged into your account. Okay, so we're just, good. Uh, so we're good then. Depressing $62.16 in here. Well, because Pete, I deposited another $250 and spent it all on best ball drafts and best ball mania three. You got like I'm getting lost in the dust. Um, this is this is how I'm justifying it. Um, you know, part of me. If I had time, I would be blasting off with the rest of you. But the galaxy brain cope take on it is that all the people blasting off right now are some of the sharpest players. You guys all got your schedules. You made your little spreadsheets. And you guys are just battling against each other. I'm going to let you guys blow your load. And then I'm going to swoop in this weekend and start my barbelling. I did hear you talk about the barbell strategy and it took it to heart. And I actually did most of my drafting before the schedule came out because I figured uh, like Pete was talking about a lot of the sharp players were waiting. I know Liam, uh, of course, who won the million dollars in best ball mania last year was talking about how he's going to have the week 17 schedule memorized, like basically immediately. Um, I wanted to get mine in before all the sharp players started to do that, Pete. So that was why I, <laughs> I crammed in my 30 entries before the schedule release. 
There you go. That's how you do it. And did you have you already gone through and uh, and let your inner bye week bro shine and see if you accidentally have two quarterbacks or two tight ends from the same bye week? You know, actually, I didn't yet, which I knowing how I draft Pete with a lot of uh, heavily overlapping exposures. Also, a, a surprising QB one in my exposure list. Now that, um, you know, we've had some reshifting around with uh, my day job, but Football Outsiders, of course, you can check out for yourself. FootballOutsiders.com. Great article on Derrick Henry and why you might not want to draft him um, is worth checking out right now. Um, I think we're going to start putting out weekly graphics with our exposure updates just because I feel like that's a fun bit. And obviously mine have, have taken an interesting turn. <laughs> Um, Marcus Mariota is now your king. I am impressed because we got Drew Locke down from what he was 35%, I think, last we yeah. looked, and you got him down to uh to 20%. I was just saying here, this is what will be interesting. So the Seahawks play, they have their bye week 11. So your landmines for Drew Locke are Tua, the Dolphins by week mm -hmm. 11, Tom Brady, uh, week 11 by, and Trevor Lawrence. Do you have any combos of Drew Locke with those quarterbacks? I don't think so because I usually, again, I've been using Drico's strategy in Rotoviz. He put out a premium article on there. I've been following that one to the letter. Normally, the QBs where I'm drafting them, you know, round six to nine and then round eight to 12, you don't end up with those combinations. So Drew Locke to me is a third QB luxury in a lot of these lineups. And for the most part, I don't think I have a lot of two QB Drew Locke lineups overall. Yeah. Well, I think you did it. I mean, and then as far as your Marcus Mariota, exposure um probably not going to be a factor because he probably won't be the starting quarterback by like week six but in the event that he is the falcons have their buy where is this why can't i find it on this sheet that i'm looking at when the hell is the falcons by oh they're week 14 they're at the very end so the bears uh you got justin fields packers rogers colts matt ryan commanders who the hell knows and saints uh Jameis winston those are your marcus Mariota landmines if you'll note, Pete, if you'll scroll down a little bit, you'll see that I do, in fact, have 3% of Desmond Ritter just in case we do see Marcus Mariota somehow lose that job. Look at this. You are you are the king of you are the king of hedging. Uh already just immediately regretted your Marcus Mariota exposure and starting to sprinkle in some Desmond Ritter. Well, the, honestly, the Mariota parts, because I have a if you go to my tight end exposures, you'll understand why I have so much Mariota. Gotcha. Kyle Pitts coming in heavy. I am buying yeah. in on the Kyle Pitts launch off point. Again, part of that Draco strategy on the road of his article is drafting a tight end in your first five rounds. So I've getting a lot of Kyle Pitts, a lot of Darren Waller with Derek Carr, a good amount of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. Uh, you can see my exposures at tight end. I feel like I'm the most proud or the least ashamed, rather, of my tight end exposures. Uh, I'm very much in on Kyle Pitts. I think he's a smash mm -hmm. where he's going. Uh, in the mid third right now. So uh, I definitely like that um, wide receiver. Seems like this is about similar to the last we looked. You still have your Seattle Seahawks stuff. You had a little of your uh, Philly pride show here, getting AJ Brown up there. Tyree kill, I think might be the most recent late riser for you at wide receiver. Yeah, you're, honestly, your observations, you're really rotating my my wide receiver exposures pretty well. Tyreek Hill has stormed up a little bit for me. I think his ADP is starting to come down a little bit too low. And actually, a couple ADP guys I, I think we're going to talk about today, um, including Hassan Haskins. I think he should not be going in the 18th round uh, based on the Derrick Henry 370 carries curse. But running back exposures, Pete, what do you see here? Um, I see a zero RB, bro. This mm -hmm. is what I see. I mean, this is just full on zero RB, bro. I don't think there's a single guy at the top of your list here who has an ADP under a hundred. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anyone on this screen. So you have been converted. You have been red pilled. You are now uh, a, a bright standing member of the church of Latter-day Zero RB drafters. Did you see the one tweet I put out where I drafted only rookie RBs who hadn't played a single snap? Because I was really proud of that one. And it honestly makes sense for this kind of draft at this point of the season. Um, 
I, I will. I did see that one. And I actually, I actually had some critiques for that. Let me actually pull that up because mm -hmm. I do think, trust me, we've all been through uh, various stages of zero RB and um, I don't think this is the way to do zero RB. Do you want me to, you want me to critique it? Yeah, go ahead. So I, again, we've talked about, like, I, I, I do think rookie running back should be uh, a big part of your zero RB strategy, but they can't be the only part because the risk you have with this is just this team having zero chances of scoring points early on in the season. Like you could legit be looking at one to two points from your entire running back crew early on in the season. And so I always talk uh, my new favorite word texture, um, the texture of your running back room. And if I'm going this heavy on rookies, I want to sprinkle in some JD McKissick, some Naheem Hines, some um, James White, some guys that are just going to give me seven to eight points, let my wide receivers and tight ends go nuclear, but just make sure I'm not eating zeros, ones, twos early on in the season because the thesis with the rookies is that their roles grow as the season progresses. And none of these guys have the draft capital to have just like a inside track to touches right out of the gate. So I think this is living just a little too dangerously. And I also, in a build like this, I would go for sure six running backs uh, in a build like this and, and stop at two tight ends with Waller and Njoku. So I will say that's the one place I screwed up was I did have an auto draft tight end. I think Njoku was not one of my, my, my actual choices, but I was going in between meetings. I've basically been doing drafts when I have an hour long meeting, which is not the best approach I'll say. Uh, but you know, for some of the stuff this week, that's what I was doing. Um, so I missed getting the sixth running back. I probably would have taken a, a, a Hassan Haskins type, not to keep mentioning him as the guy, but another rookie. I'm with you overall. Like, I think this was just more not for the bit, but just because that was the way the room kind of shook out. But I do like the rookies because if anybody's going to jump in ADP, it's one of these guys like Zach Moss gets cut. James Cook then jumps like you have, uh, you know, maybe Rex Burkhead somehow gets cut because he's got the biggest contract They go to Damian Pierce. Uh, there's a lot of ways there to to get this where it needs to be. And I, I love the chats, too. And Ross Caster, uh, one that Pete didn't put on the screen, apparently was in this draft and I'm sure was wowed by my approach. I decided to mute myself while I was chatting. <laughs> I should down. have let you chew. Like I could see you chewing and yet I still threw to you. Like you weren't doing that. Liam just wants you propagating this kind of team building on such a massive platform. So the people he's drafting against only take, you know, <laughs> rookie day three, rookie running backs on their teams. Look, I won't say this is the one you do in all 150 lineups if you're maxing out best ball mania and the puppy, like is my goal this summer. Uh, but I would say for that one, you know, look, I got a different look on there. Somebody's ADP is going to jump. And even Nolan Kelly over at Osmo, who previously shamed me for being zero RB, zero RB was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good draft because like 10,000% I think he said that one of those guys <laughs> ADP is going to soar. And one of them, Pete, will be like a top 50 ADP guy, I think, or top 75 at least. I just love how much the pendulum has swung because last year you tied your personal brand to Mike Davis and Melvin Gordon. And this year you're tying your personal brand to day three rookie running backs. I absolutely love it. You know who's tying his brand to Melvin Gordon this year? Sal Vetri in those Twitter threads he's putting out, every single one of the best. Like, Melvin Gordon, everybody thinks he sucks, and he's the best. Like, he's apparently been a top 20 running back or top 15 running back for six straight years. And yeah. I, it's funny that Sal has now taken that that mantle for me, and I'll gladly give it to him, even though I wish I were getting the, the 3,000 likes for a Twitter thread that Sal's getting these days. Yeah, what do you – you should do, Spags, do – um do a Twitter thread like that, but on all the rookie running backs. And then like the 34th tweet is subscribe to splash play. And then you tag me in it. So I get a little bit of that juice and we all win.
I'm surprised you're not doing parody Twitter threads because there's a lot of fantasy football Twitter right now that's doing those just because it's an engagement farming kind of thing that that works and it does theoretically provide some value. Um, actually, regular social media people too are doing that, but I'm surprised you haven't done a parody one where it's just you doing snarky comments for a 20 tweet thread. What if I told you I have a video coming out early next week and the title of the video is Should I Become an Engagement Farmer? And what if I told you you even make an appearance in it? Ooh, then you, your engagement must be spiking for that one, I would hope. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my little tease. Today on the Deposit Kingdom YouTube channel, I dropped uh, FF Guru Dynasty Pete's Top 12 Dynasty Rankings. And uh, yes, the uh, the other video is being edited right now. It should be out sometime early next week. But yeah, this is going to be um, my official comment on the engagement farming meta. And I'm very excited to share it with everyone. Make sure you are subscribed to the Deposit Kingdom channel. Of course, Pete putting out some short form content on there that's highly produced and worth your time. I check it out myself. And also subscribe to Pete's channel. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel as well because um, now that I again, have more resources coming, Splash Play is way. We're going to make sure that we're putting out quality short form clips on there as well from these episodes coming up. So go follow both. Subscribe to both. And of course, follow at Peter Overzet, follow at Chris Spags, and follow at Splash Play Pod on every platform out there. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We're posting some show clips, posting the shows themselves, and maybe retweeting some things here and there. So go follow at Splash Play Pod for both. Uh, Pete, real fast, NFL news, and we can do a quick draft of our Week 17 schedule here. Uh, Jerry Judy charged with a second-degree criminal tampering with a domestic violence enhancer, which makes it a misdemeanor. Um, his ADP was already dropping heavily in some drafts I saw yesterday. Tim Patrick also seemingly going up, even though I would think this might be more of a KJ Handler benefit and definitely a Cortland Sutton benefit as well. But overall, Pete, Jerry Judy, I think uh, you got to expect some discipline coming here, but any thoughts overall on how you would approach him? Yeah, I mean, I'll say right away, I think his price um, was a little steep um, as is. And I had definitely already taken a couple cracks at him. I believe he was going around like the four or five turn um, before all of this. But I think there was a lot of assumptions uh, being made about Jerry Judy. He kind of reminded me a little bit of like the Brandon Ayuk situation last year where it's just like, you know, this, this younger player on an ascending offense that we maybe fall in love with a bit too much. And just knowing like we have a new quarterback, we have a new coaching scheme. We have new players in the system. Um, there are really good wide receivers and pass catchers here in Sutton, Hamler, Tim Patrick, like they're very deep there. They add the rookie, uh, tight end, Greg Dolchich, uh, who's a, a solid pass catcher. So I guess that's my way of saying, um, I don't know how much upside there was for Judy even at that like round four cost. Um, so now I'm actually kind of interested in scooping up some shares as the market, you know, reacts to this news. And we're going to see this all summer. I mean, all of us drafting the market is going to be so reactive to these blurbs, to these news things. It sounded like uh, the updates I heard on the report were that it wasn't quite as serious. I don't want to trivialize anything that ultimately happened, but just reading kind of the tea leaves on that, it didn't seem like he was necessarily headed toward a major suspension. So I don't know. It's one of those things to monitor. And if you were chasing him up into the fourth round, I think you probably should uh, use this as an opportunity to pump the brakes.
Yeah, the mid 60s ADP I saw in a couple drafts yesterday, I was like, this actually feels about right. Like, Court and Sutton to me should be going ahead of him in a lot of drafts based on uh, the way Russell Wilson has attacked downfield before. And Judy is a slot guy. People comparing him to CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb's a much better play than Jerry Judy. Um, Lamb, we've seen get, you know, 10 to 15 targets here and there. Um, so definitely some stuff to watch out for for Judy. And if you're taking him at 44, uh, where I think his ADP is right now an underdog, you're probably making a mistake on there. But if you want to draft along with us, we're going to hit underdog in a little bit here. Uh, make sure you use that promo code SPLASH, double your deposit. Up to $100 over on Underdog right now. Uh, the Best Ball Mania is going. The puppy will be coming out soon. Lots of great drafts. So if you just want to get in the mix like we are, uh, make sure to go play over on Underdog and use that promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100. Pete, are you ready to actually... Uh, Jared Stidham trade. Any thoughts? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What? Jared Stidham to the Raiders, right? Yeah, so the Raiders for a sixth rounder and potentially also a seventh rounder. So, or actually, no, I think it was actually Stidham and a seventh rounder for a sixth rounder. So it's a classic Patriots coach move. Like, oh, I got to take my guy. Fuck off. Fucking job. Yeah, this yeah. has um, seismic ramifications for the league. I mean, a lot of storytellers had been framing this offseason as the, the offseason of the wide receiver, um, but not anymore. No, uh, the offseason has been flipped on its head by this trade. And now this is officially the summer of the backup quarterback. All right, so let's do our, our schedule draft fast, Pete, because we took a little too much time up top, really bathing in our exposures. And I don't know if you're noticing the chat, people wanting us to take Seattle stacks now, I think, whether it's for the bit because of the thumbnail, it's hard to say. But uh, week 17, I, there's some interesting candidates you could see on the screen now. Pete actually chose the exact same schedule screen that I would have chosen. We didn't even talk about it, so that's how synced up we are. Uh, some quality matchups, Pete. You got the Bills and the Bengals on Monday Night Football, Rams, Chargers, Sunday Night Football. Of course, Jets, Seahawks, the one that everybody's really waiting for there. I'll give you the first overall pick, and let's snake draft it. What game would you want for Week 17 that could win somebody a fantasy or best ball league? Yeah, um, this is going to end up being the chalk um, game people want to stack. I do think when we get the look ahead lines, this will have the highest over under. Um, it actually is going to be fairly tricky to stack just because of ADPs and there being so many premium players. But of course, the Monday night hammer bills at Bengals. I think that has to be your 101 in a week 17 shootout potential draft. I would agree with that one. Bills at Bengals does seem like a marquee matchup. The hammer as well for the week, which makes it even more fun. Um, knowing if you had a few guys in that game, I think you're going to feel pretty good about it. So very good number one overall pick. I will go, uh, I think, a very chalky direction as well. Broncos at Chiefs, to me, that 1 p.m. game, two teams in the AFC West, which we've talked about, could be a shootout division. Um, I think they could still also be in contention for that AFC West title, which would be a positive. So that'll be my, my pick, Pete. Would you agree that that's the number two game on the board? Um, yeah, I'm always like division games are always interesting, right? Because I feel like they're generally polarized where it's either, I, I believe statistically the second division game is generally a little bit lower scoring, um, than the first, but then we've also seen some of just the, you know, kind of batshit crazy divisional games too. So I think in a perfect world, I would have it not be a, a divisional game, but I think you look at the AFC West this year and you can get excited about all of those matchups from a shootout potential, um, GA talking about Cincinnati in January. I think you can bring up Kansas city in January as well. Um, I think in a perfect world, again, those games are in a dome or warm weather, but, um, the way those offenses are going to play the weapons they have, uh, I think make them very conducive to fantasy. And I will, uh, the one thing I love about the Broncos chiefs game, specifically from an ADP standpoint is right now, the plethora of options you have for stacking late. We mentioned Hamler and Tim Patrick. Um, we still have uh, a Kui Boonham who's pretty cheap in my mind, as far as a tight end. And then the chiefs 
you just have all those guys like Hardman, MBS, uh, Ronald Jones. Like it's not too hard to stack those guys up late. So I, I do think that's a that's a good one. All right, on the turn here, I'm also going to take the Battle of L.A. teams. Rams at Chargers is pretty interesting to me. Cooper Cup, we saw my exposures uh, right now, lucking into about 25% Cooper Cup. And I know I saw Ian Harditz over uh, at PFF talking about uh, Cooper Cup. Hard to expect him to have any sort of facsimile of what he had last year or anybody else have a season either. But I feel like in this spot, there's so many guys you can get to. I think it's entirely possible. And Isaiah Spiller ends up bubbling up in Week 17 in this spot just because uh, Austin Eckler is certainly no stranger to being injured. Uh, that running back room going to be one that Spiller should be getting a good amount of opportunity in. And of course you have cup, you have Allen Robinson, you have like the main stacks, you have the contrarian stacks, you have your, even your Tyler Higby's of the world, the running backs for the Rams, like a cam makers somehow winning this game. Wouldn't be crazy either, Pete. So I feel like the bat of LA to me feels like a, a nice second round pick here. Yeah, I was, I was considering, uh, that one. I mean, I, or sorry, I should say I would have snap picked that one. If you let that fall to three, that one seems like it checks, uh, about as many boxes as you could want from a shootout potential. I will take, um, I'll go with Falcons Cardinals, um, Falcons at home. These are two teams will, will obviously be in the dome. I think they're teams that could play fast. Um, obviously there's a lot of projection on what the Falcons will look like by week 17, but you know, the story is, you know, Drake London figures it out. Kyle Pitts is humming. They caught the quarterback situation at least somewhat figured out. We just have, you know, a, a boat race there in the uh, in the dome. So I think that one is kind of like on the on the more sneaky side. But uh, I like how that one lines up. Yeah, and I'm with you too. Like those guys, like Kyle Pitts, I have a lot of exposure to because I think he's the tight end that has the best shot at getting to that Travis Kelsey tier without the Travis Kelsey ADP. Um, and the Falcons overall, like Drake London being an important part, uh, Tyler Algier, I'm going to be very much bullish on as well. And the Cardinals pulling their end, uh, Marquise Brown, I think a justifiable ADP and certainly a lot of ways for them to be productive with Kyler Murray. If the Falcons aren't tanking, I think that game could be pretty good. You got one more pick here, Pete. What do you want? Yeah, I have two that I think are really, really close. Um, and I will maybe see if you let the one I don't pick sneak back to me. So I'll take the one I think is slightly more obvious. I'll take 49ers at Raiders. Um, mm. This is, again, um, we're going to feel good about uh, the Raiders being at home in, in the dome there. This is obviously picturing a world where Trey Lance is now a superstar in the league. And we get Devontae Adams. We got Trey Lance. We got two kind of fun offenses uh, going at it. And we've seen the Raiders, uh, even with Derek Carr, play some pretty fast up-tempo games. I always remember the um, the shootout game they had with the Dolphins um, last year. So I think this could be a fun one if the 49ers come together. Yeah, two Bay Area, team, Bay Area teams or former Bay Area teams going head-to-head -head, uh, could carry some of that uh, fun kind of juice to it as well. And uh, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, a lot of interesting fantasy plays on both sides in addition to the expected uh, Niners stack that I think we're probably going to be getting a lot this best ball season. Um, I guess I get two picks here and then you get one more. I'm going to go, so I'm going to take the obvious one coming up. But first, I will in fact take the... Saints at Eagles game and people talking about pretty good defenses. Bullock in the chat saying both teams have good defenses. I'm going to have a good amount of the, the AJ Brown side of that equation. Jalen hurts his ADP is tough to get to for me, but I feel like AJ Brown in particular is going to be a player that I think can be very important down the stretch. You know, playing in Philadelphia in January can go either way. Like we talked about the weather in Cincinnati, but um, it'd be nicer if that were in, in new Orleans, I think would be a pretty good one, but Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, some guys that are going pretty lower ADP compared to some of their peers. I feel like that game could actually be way more important than people realize. And it is one Pete that I think I would hope the defenses regress a little bit and the offenses kind of live up to their potential here heading into the season. 
Yeah, I'd like that game a little more if it was in the, the Superdome at the Saints, kind of going back to, you know, we know the weather, and boy, are you going to experience it here, Spags, your first winter in Philadelphia, uh, January 1st game here. In Philly, weather conditions might not be ideal for a shootout, but yeah, on paper, I think it, it could set up decently. And now I will take the obvious one that I have to take for my brand, even though I think you make the case that Colts Giants could be sneaky important here. Jonathan Taylor is certainly going to be a decision-making point if the Colts are playing for a playoff spot. But I'm going to take Jets at Seahawks, Pete, because I know for a fact I have some Zach Wilson, Drew Locke stacks. I also have a lot of Elijah Moore, a lot of those Seahawks. So if anything, this is one spot where I don't know those ADPs are going to rise because of their Week 17 offering, but I feel like Jets at Seahawks right now feels like a mid-40s total. But maybe these offenses play a little fast and loose the defenses don't live up to the hype and then we actually could have those stacks be important and if that is the case pete uh i will not well i guess it depends on what we draft on the show i might be going to mexico i might not be going to mexico but either way i feel like uh that game could lead me to be a millionaire based on the lineups i have so far wow there you go that sounds like projection um in the psychology biz there spags um yeah, that's fair. And I would say the other candidate, because what we're trying when you're when you're drafting these games, you're thinking of that Seattle Detroit game from last year where Rashad Penny went nuclear and Amon Ross St. Brown went nuclear. We know that sometimes we don't need the highest octane offenses to support uh, a few massive performances. This isn't the team I'm going to pick, but the other candidate in that vein, I would say, would be the Texans Jags, right? Mm -hmm. Where you could just see that being a totally loosey goosey game between two bad defenses. The team I am going to, or the game I am going to pick is the Buccaneers at home versus the Panthers. So the story I'm telling myself in this one, obviously the Bucs are in peak form. Godwin's back healthy. Uh, the offense is functioning. Leonard Fournette has been benched for the much more talented, younger Rashad White. And on the flip side, Matt Corral uh, has taken over for Sam Darnold. He's now running a little bit. He's feeding DJ Moore. Christian McCaffrey is catching 10 plus balls a game. And we have ourselves an old fashioned NFC South shootout here in the warm Tampa Bay confines. I think really the main takeaway I would have from this one is we could have really drafted every single game here for the most part, because maybe Steelers Ravens a little bit ugly as those traditionally have been though, both defense getting bad or worse year to year compared to their historical archetype. Um, like all these games in week 17 are very fun and feel fantasy friendly in a way that I maybe besides dolphins Patriots, but even that, you know, could definitely get a little more loose with those defenses also regressing uh, with no Brian Flores in particular for the dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's what, when we really think, and I'm going to be talking about this more in videos and in best ball streams of like, what are the actual variables that we know for certain, the things we can control? Like we know year over year, defensive performance is not sticky. It's really, really hard to predict. We do know like what quarterbacks are good, generally what offenses have potential. But when we look this far down the schedule, the one thing we do know is that in-game correlation matters in the same way on a DFS slate. A couple of these games are going to score the majority of the points in the week. That's just generally how it goes. So to me, it's more about just like making bets on some of these games and not caring too much about where you're making those bets. Because that's why I was talking about the 101. Like this Bills-Bengals game is going to get super chalky. Everyone's going to want pieces of this. That's fine. It, it deserves to be. But what if that game sucks? Like that's that's option. Like the, the total could come in way under, you know, where it's set at. Like that just happens. So to me, it's more like prioritize, prioritizing correlation no matter what, but not getting too caught up in how confident you are where the points are going to come from. 
I would also say if you're going to be contrarian relative to this, and then Pete, if you want to pull up the draft so we can uh, make some decent time on that, we can do that. So get into the uh, the best ball mania lobby right now, underdog, if you want to try to get a shot to draft alongside of us. Um, I think, honestly, the way that ADPs are setting up right now, I would bet that the Burrow, Chase, Higgins, plus uh, probably Gabe Davis portion of that is going to be over-owned because of people playing for Week 17. And that's one where I would say, you know, if you are going to stack up that game, I think not that you should make your season long decisions like best ball is still an entire season. You got to get to week 17, but I would say like, I think that's going to be the chalky week 17 option. Pete, I don't know if you feel differently. Sorry. <laughs> Took another chew break. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, is that, Oh, influencer one one again. Um, that game is just, that game is hard to stack, right? Like Jamar chase is going what top five. Stefan Diggs is going back into the first round. T Higgins is going late second round. Josh Allen's going what third round like that that's hard to to stack that up and not only is it hard to do if you do hit it like a lot of other people are going to be trying to hit it as well and it's probably not going to be that unique yeah I think your your take about just you know like people in the chats who were talking about Bears Lions as well um Cowboys Titans Eric is asking about like I think just getting a mix of all these like Pete's talking about and really more than many stacks like I wouldn't necessarily build full stacks you don't love around that uh, Jonathan Taylor here right like we're not I was just going to ask how big of a zero RB bro are you on ship chasing on Wednesday night? I, I forced them to take Cooper cup over uh, Jonathan Taylor, but I don't anticipate this being quite a ship chasing. So I'm good with JT. No. And also like, I, I have so much Naheem Hines. <laughs> I got to take Jonathan Taylor whenever I get him just on the chance that things work out like everybody's expecting. So uh, people, <laughs> Dylan's saying he wants me to get, uh, will send me $25 if I take Drew Locke one, one um, that's on an ADP move, Pete. And as you know, as you've disciplined me on, I will not draft a man very much above his ADP. That's just not the right move. That's not the right move. Unless it's Drew Locke, whose ADP should be 300 and inherently every time you take him, it's way ahead of ADP. I think his ADP is coming up. I've seen people draft Drew Locke organically in our, our dynasty league. Sam Sherman was trying to blackmail me into uh, trading for Drew Locke and then didn't take him anyway. But people are really thinking the wheels are spinning about Drew Locke. I did like seeing that negotiation and you just called his bluff of seeing if he get you to trade up for Drew Locke. I mean, you should have done it for the personal brand. I mean, at the end of the day, Drew Locke is going to yield you nothing except a strong personal brand so i mean you, you might as well just lean into it i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna keep leaning into drew lock and uh people send me lock emojis all the time i'm i'm excited to have my brand tied to his because when he actually establishes himself as like a middle of the pack qb this year i'm gonna look like a genius because he's gonna have one or two good games that actually are gonna be josh allen-esque um this is actually this is the take you don't want to hear but i love to hear eric says geno smith revenge game week 17 against the jets is the real pick can you imagine Oh, that would be electric. Gino was pretty good last year. Like I know people yeah. like are gonna sleep on that because the historical, you know, Gino bias. Yeah, you know, that he certainly wasn't great as a Jet. He was pretty good as a Seahawks backup QB. He wasn't Russell Wilson, but he was like okay. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting question from Samuel. Here is a Burrow Chase Higgins stack worth the cost in BBM? Seems doubtful. You would use both Higgins and Chase scores in the championship week, and um, that is a first and third round pick. I guess I'll push back a little bit on, I, I think there's certainly, I know how it went last year. It seemed like those guys were ping-ponging back and forth for from having big games. It was kind of reminiscent of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, never capable of having a big game in the same. But to me, that feels a little more like small sample noise. I definitely think the way that Bengals offense operates and how pass-heavy they are, that there are certainly games where Joe Burrow could support 
two pass catchers. But the part I do agree with is more just the cost. And those guys are going to get steamed up a little bit more because of that week 17 game. I will say Drew, uh, Drew Lock, uh, J- uh, Joe Burrow is already going pretty uh, in a pricey range. Although I have noticed uh, Jalen Hurts has now been flipping him mm-hmm. in a decent amount of drafts, but Joe Burrow is still pretty expensive. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a perfect answer for this right now. I don't mind it because those three guys are all absolute studs. It's it's kind of, it does line up to get them right now, right? Like you can get Jamar Chase early, get Higgins in the second. I don't know. Do you have a take on this? I think it's fine. I wouldn't go out of my way, like reaching for Joe Burrow in the fifth to make it happen though. Yeah, I think I've gotten a couple Joe Burrow stacks with Chase and Higgins where Burrow's coming in the sixth and I'm okay with it there. Um, In the fifth where you are taking him ahead of ADP just to complete that stack feels like a not great move, but like I'm not going to begrudge it because those guys certainly have the upside. Um, I think the one issue though is like Tyler Boyd still does loom and as people key in more on Jamar Chase this year, you're probably just see more volatility between those three guys and maybe even Hayden Hurst. So I just wouldn't go heavy. Like if you're doing only Burrow stacks with those two guys, like that's probably not the best move overall. And my, my main thing about it too, is just, um, some of these stacks are going to become very, very popular. And of course, like if you draw, you know, the five most popular stacks that are doable by ADP, that Burrow chase Higgins one has to be one of the highest frequented ones I'm guessing, um, as we head throughout the off season. So to me, I'm, I'm not like shying away from it, but I'm also wanting to know who is the next pass catcher that I can toss into that Bengals stack. You know, if I'm only getting one of Chase and Higgins with them and because obviously you want to double stack Burrow. Burrow's not a quarterback that you really want to be single stacking just with um, him not providing as much with his legs. So that's kind of the the part. If you're not getting those two, who is that other pass catcher you're tossing in there? Tyler Boyd, uh, very cheap right now. I, I definitely like him. Yeah. Also, I feel like Diggs and Allen might be the only one that's close to the Burrow stack overall. Like Diggs and Allen, I feel like I see a lot going and sometimes ahead of ADP too for the Allen part. Yeah. Yeah. And and like Nick says here, both guys are capable of 40 plus um, for sure. And you can, I mean, if you had that double stack last year, right? It was Higgins had it the one week and then Jamar Chase had it the week 17 week. Like that's, that's your dream scenario. That's like the best case scenario for best ball stacking. You do that double stack in a DFS week. Yeah. Maybe they don't both um hit in the same week but in the best ball it's like we have these four uncorrelated tournaments three of them are weeks 15 16 and 17 if you get the week 15 explosion from chase the week 16 from higgins and then two solid scores from both week 17 or whatever combination of that like that's exactly what you're hoping for yeah also we got about 100 people in here we're gonna make the pick now um i think it's aj brown right uh yes i uh i love uh aj brown here in this range um I mean, I think for the turn. Yeah. So I, I, I love the, uh, the elite tight end build. So I would be happy to pile on to your Kyle Pitts exposure. I would also be fine. I have not taken an, um, actually I forgot we had taken JT. I would prefer to just rock a true anchor RB build with JT here. Um, Mm -hmm. this is a slightly more wide receiver heavy room. I I think I would lean toward Keenan here. I would take Pitts. I'm fine with Pitts If you want to. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, uh, turn that down. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't love, you know, I think you can get them usually around 30, um, which has been where I've definitely been getting the most of them. But in this spot, I just feel like we got the, we got the superstar running back. We got a wide receiver who can break, you know, everything on the season. If things work out his way, Kyle Pitts, I just feel like, 
Um, I don't know where we're going to get a tight end if we if we wait. And I think we might end up reaching at Hawkinson then, which I don't mind, but I, I just don't want to take him in the fifth. Yeah, uh, I love the elite tight ends. I love the structural flexibility they give you. I think I saw a question up here from Dylan, actually, that I didn't get to touch on. He was asking um, about three tight ends late, which I think is is perfectly viable. I mean, the whole the whole thing with all of this stuff is letting your early picks inform what you do late. You know, like if you spend, you know, um, like in the example of the screenshot Spags posted, I know he mentioned it was like a timeout pick, but he used an early pick on Waller and then gets Nujoku, who's a respectable tight end too. Like by grabbing Waller, you have bought yourself the optionality and the flexibility to only draft two because you used early capital. If you wait until the 11th round to get your first one, like on ship chasing on Wednesday, I think we took Gasicki in the 11th or 12th, and that ended up being a three tight end build. So I think it's all dictated based on what you do earlier. I personally like gravitating to the early tight ends because I like having the optionality of knowing I'm only going to have to use two spots on tight ends. That allows me to maybe push a zero RB build, knowing I could get to six, seven running backs. It allows me to push a hyper fragile build, knowing I could get to 10, 11 wide receivers. Like I just like having that flexibility. Whereas to what Spags was saying, if you get in that mid range tier, maybe your first one's Goddard. And then you start getting in that territory of, is this a two or three tight end build? That can kind of affect your decision. So I just like having those those options that the early tight end gives you. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I've been taking a lot of those anchor tight ends of the first five rounds. That, you know, I really can't give enough credit to Drico because he's informing. If I win money, Drico will be getting a, a shout out on my award <laughs> pendulum or podium. If it's pendulum, honestly, it might be accurate as well. Um, also, we got about 90 people watching live. Worth pointing out here that uh, coming right before Memorial Day weekend, we're moving this Friday stream to Thursdays just to get out of the way of people's summer Fridays. Uh, Pete's got some travel on the books. I certainly don't mind getting Fridays back. So these shows will be coming on Mondays and Thursdays starting that Memorial Day weekend. So come join us May 26th will be when that starts. And, and Pete, I feel like moving to Thursdays kind of makes sense because we don't want to go up against people just driving to Cape Cod or whatever people do on a Friday during the summer. That the person you would be going up against driving to Cape Cod would be me. Spaz. <laughs> that, that's the person you'd be going up against. Well, uh, also, like I did think it made sense for the viewers too. Like I don't expect people to do this on Friday yeah. afternoons all summer long. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we, we gotta be flexible here and, uh, yeah, I don't, I think, well, I mean, last season, uh, during the regular season, we were going Monday, Thursday, Friday. So basically mm -hmm. how I assume our viewers kind of plan their calendar is that they've actually left, um, like a blank holding event on their calendar on Thursdays from two 30 to three 30, just knowing if we did ever switch back to that, they're still free there. So I assume it'll be fine. Uh, Marcos also a regular over in the Osmo streams. I know I've seen his name a bunch asking, how do I draft or get in these drafts? Rather people have asked this question. A lot of us, you just got to be in the underdog lobby. When we do it, we try to give a, enough notice there. People can get in. Uh, but Pete, I don't know if you have any, any hacks here as being an underdog influencer much longer than I've been a non-influencer, but I feel like that's just the only fair way to do this. Uh, yeah. I mean, with best ball mania, they're open lobbies. So it's, uh, it's first come first serve. Uh, I, I actually think the chat probably has some secrets about how you time it accurately. I think we like to keep you on your toes. Sometimes we'll go to the screen, but not hop in right away. And so then it's up to you, the viewer to try to time that out. You try to get ahead of us. Maybe you jump in right before you think we're going to, or you try to have your nimble little fingers click in the second you see us hop in there. It's, uh, it's up to you. All that said though, it does remind me we should do some more 
Um, it's easy to create your private 12 man leagues, obviously not as fun, you know, not having $2 million up top and only having, you know, a hundred dollars up top, but it is a way then that we can actually control, uh, who is in the draft. So maybe we could get like, a uh, a splash play slow draft going and we link to it uh in the discord or something like that if everyone wants to draft together slow draft oh you know i don't have the attention span <laughs> you you'll 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 be converted I, how do you how are you how do you have time for 30 fast drafts right now as a new father it's whenever the dereliction I'm of your duties. I just do it and I get alerts. And then sometimes I honestly, like, I, I miss a few picks sometimes in drafts. Like it's been, it hasn't been perfect. Like I will say my 150, Pete, not going to be as thoroughly curated as I'm sure yours will be. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Eric. Now this, 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 this is the advice coming from big underdog. Just pre-joined five drafts and then you have better odds. Exactly. Underdogs in my ear saying right now, just tell people to register for about 19 drafts and they're sure to get in one with you. What is, I know you were talking about your multi-table drafts. I think it might've been on lulls. I was really great episode of lulls this week, by the way, I really enjoyed you and brick talking about kind of the tout industry and, um, and also the Rufus Peabody, Jeff Ma controversy. So check that one out. If for some reason you watch this show and don't watch lulls with, uh, Pete and brick over there. Um, but I do think that you were mentioning your multi-table approach. What's the most you've ever drafted at one clip. Uh, let's do the picks. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's make these picks. Um, Michael Pittman. Uh, yeah, I mean, might as well. He's at slipped 11 picks at, at past ADP. We already have a bet on the Colts here. Uh, definitely Ooh. on board with that. We can bring Should we take Sutton in. over Judy here just to flip the ADP on its head? Yeah, might as well. I mean, uh, I don't think I have a Sutton share. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I normally wouldn't want to take him that much earlier ahead of ADP, but uh, market-driven data can be a very important thing. That's something for sports betting, and I know Pete's talked about on the ship-chasing shows in particular with those guys, with Corrine and Gretsch, about the importance of you know not going too far ahead of ADP. But I just feel like with Judy, like I didn't agree with that ADP anyway. It was taking more Sutton, so I'm willing to kind of flip it just for the sake of getting some more exposure. Yeah, and there's his ADP. You know, it's not like we're having to chase Sutton up because of the Judy news, right? I mean, he, this is about where he's been going. I think his, maybe he's gone up a little bit. I think it was at like a pick 50, ADP of 54 before the news. Um, but there's some nice kind of asymmetric upside there, right? Like if something does come down with Judy, uh, Sutton is probably going to move up at least a round and a half in ADP if, if Judy's out of the picture for a meaningful amount of time. So, uh, and, and I just want to be taking shots on we do not know like it, it's easy to say what Cortland sutton is going to be russell wilson's dk metcalf and jerry judy is going to be his locket even though kj hamler said he's going to be the locket but it's easy for us to like pigeonhole that but we, we don't know how this is going to shake out and there are scenarios where one of these guys has a bigger role or a bigger target share just naturally whether because of the offense who russell wilson prefers whatever so um i i definitely want to be sprinkling in shares of sutton also, we got 107 people watching live. We appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Make sure you are subscribed to Peach Channel as well as the Splash Play Channel because we're doing these shows on Mondays and Fridays for the next few weeks, then Mondays and Thursdays all summer long. So come hang out with us and subscribe and hit the like button too. It helps us you know, beat the algorithm on YouTube, which is a big uh, goal of Pete, really working hard to get some different stuff out there to make sure we're being seen by more people. Um, so please go hit that like button as well and, and check out some streams. Funny on a Friday afternoon, Pete, this is, a, I think, a record live viewers for us. Um, well, Spags, everyone is just here to see me melt down when you make me take Drew Locke. I don't think anyone actually cares about anything else, uh, other than me melting down. I mean, we already missed, well, yeah, we missed out on DK Metcalf already, right? Yeah, we did. So it's, it's getting tougher to justify Drew Locke if you don't get Metcalf. We'll have to think through, um, our quarterback 
strategy here. We obviously passed on, you know, I, I consider Kyler Murray, um, you know, definitely kind of closer to Justin Herbert, uh, where he went. I, I, I've loved getting him. I love getting Lamar, although Lamar continues to get more and more expensive going at 310 here. We'll have to think through. Uh, our quarterback strategy here. We'll have a we'll have a, a couple good options potentially depending on how this shakes out. Or this could also be um, a three QB type of build. You know, we could add your boy Mariota. We can add a Matt Ryan uh, later. So we uh, we have some flexibility if we do go the QB three route. So people in the chat, Pete Neil saying you're not looking forward to rolling the clip. Jacob saying two didn't for the clip. I know you were reworking the Drew Locke clip. I don't know if we're going to need it today, but is it ready to go in the construction that's going to make you happy? Yes. So, I mean, uh, just if for some reason you guys didn't watch last week, um, Spags. And again, I, I want to throw Spags under the bus, not the good people over at Football Outsiders who made this clip, because I think Spags just uh, had a did a poor job communicating what the highlight clip uh, should be. And they sent over uh, a terribly slow and exhausting, painstaking one plus minute clip of Drew Locke highlights. I said, um, this isn't the spirit of a highlight clip. And not to mention they were barely even highlights. That's being incredibly generous to the term highlights. So I did do some light editing to the clip to make it more show ready. It is of course in the StreamYard hopper if we were to need it, but God, do I hope we never need it. You know, I have to say, Liam in the chat uh, came to support a new father, which I appreciate too. Um, no, he didn't. We, we have, <laughs> we have uh, more millionaire followers and people in the chat. I feel like that any other stream, we've had Neil Orfield in the stream. We've had Alex in the stream. I feel like, I feel like honestly, I guess Lulz too. We we just have millionaires around us just hanging out and just wanting to get some of a, some of the genius that we put out there every show. Well, the, the Lulz rule for a long time, and we've broken it on a few occasions, but um, you know, like when we had you on, but you, you do have to be a millionaire, uh, have won a millionaire maker to come on the show. Uh, that's RBX 88 always, uh, wants to come on and we tell him he has to win a million, ma million maker to do so. And then he just keeps winning million makers. So, uh, yeah, that's how you get on lulls. I'm rich in love. That's, that's the main thing that I look for. Baby, animals, you know, wife, partner, whatever, whatever we are legally right now. Uh, um, can we get so mad at at demo over here from the 11 hole starts out with uh, a, a nice, sexy, pure zero RB start. And then uh, snipes Jalen hurts from us. I mean, Jalen hurts on the six, seven wrap with AJ Brown already in our pockets would have been pretty nice. I was hoping that would be the case. I didn't say it out loud for that very reason, knowing that people occasionally like to upset our drafts when we're doing them live on a stream. Um, I, I do think overall though, that, um, the chat very lively today, Dylan, the markets apparently cost Dylan his job and now he's just investing his time in best ball. I feel like you've said it, Pete, this is the safest way to store your money right now. It is. It's, uh, you know, I said, uh, BB, uh, what was it? Uh, USBB. It's the ultimate stable coin backed by, um, it's an algorithmic stable coin. You just give your money to underdog and they take care of it. Um, so I do think just based on ADP and coming around and wanting to have the flexibility to do a two QB build, I think we should take Russ Wilson with one of these two picks. Okay. I, I think let's, let's take somebody else first and get Russ in the seventh. Wait, what just explained your just awful logic. I guess on that's that relative one. to the clock. Fine. We'll take Russ in the sixth. I just like the idea of punting one more round and getting him in the seventh. It's like they got Russ in the seventh. No big deal. Bags, get out of here. Um, <laughs> we could also get Drake London here to get, Honestly, I have so much Drake London, and and uh, as we saw, Marcus Mariota. You have, you have so much Elijah Moore. He's your he's your number one. I I mean, I, I would Traylon say, Burks. what? 
I think it's Traylon Burks then. I think we go Drake London. Really? Okay. Yes. I, I mean, think I... because we've already made this bet uh, on Kyle Pitts. Um, mm-hmm. I, I say we go with Drake London here. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, look, we can we can get that Falcons Week 17 stack going if you really want to get frisky with things. I mean, uh, I would much rather do a Week 17 Falcon stack than this godforsaken Drew Lock bit. Who are we going to get from the Cardinals end to try to get that Week 17 other side of it? Um, don't Deontay worry. Ingram. We don't worry. Wait, I, I got plenty of Cardinals. Oh, that's my. I know I have no shares of so far. Uh, it was, speaking of the Cardinals, guess which Cardinal I, I think I have no shares of. Um, what Cardinal? I don't know. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Rondy Moore. Actually, I, I don't have Hopkins either. I'm actually you call him Rondy Moore. Who do? What do you call him? Rondy Moore. <laughs> Rondy. Yeah. Is it? Is that some just pet nickname between you two? I think it'd be funny instead of Randy. He's Rondy. All right. I guess I. Won't you don't want to get behind it. Rondy Moore. No, uh, I believe Chris in the chat calls him Rondale. He goes with the oh. kind of the tilde um, pronunciation there. Yep, there it is, Rondale. Uh, Rondi makes him more approachable, I think. Rondale just sounds yeah. too stuck up. Yes. Um, yeah, and the thing is, is I am not... Uh, yeah, so our Denver... Um, we got our Denver Chiefs, right? So we need to, we need to think about some Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our cardinals that we're going to be thinking about um those are the main considerations and then who do our who do the colts play week 17 colts play the giants, giants. Yeah. so that's another team to be thinking about interesting so so you, would you be willing though to like really construct a team solely for week 17 like obviously you're still taking guys that you like but like are you willing to have that strong of a lean or are we doing that because that's what we talked about on the show today i think no not at all i mean this is the one of the videos I'm working on with uh, Michael uh, Dubner is the like the expected value of with how much money is up top in this contest. Like all of the expected value is realized in week 17, so it makes uh, extreme sense to prioritize week 17. And you can say all the arguments you want, yeah, you got to get there, yada yada. But you also need to give yourself a realistic chance to win a 470 person tournament in week 17. And I strongly believe stacking is a good way to do that. That said, I think we can get overzealous with our stacking, and I still consider it you know, tiebreakers. Like when you're within tiers, I think you should be breaking ties in favor of the correlation in the stacks. But it's not saying like grab uh, Rondale at pick seven because it gives us the correlation with Kyle Pitts, you know, in round seven. Like we're not doing that. Then we're hemorrhaging too much value. We're giving up too many projected points, yada, yada. So I think we got to be smart about it. But man, as the ultimate tiebreaker every time. You know what we should do, and this I this is completely not related to what you're talking about. I guess related to week 17, though. We should do a Drew Lock clip competition where you and I both have to edit a version of it and just and see what comes out of that. Yeah, mine's already done. Yeah, I already have Let's, mine done. Give, give me a week because I don't think I'm gonna be able to do it for Monday. But for next Friday's stream, I will personally edit a Drew Lock clip and maybe even do a voiceover. Yeah, I want to address this comment because it's a good point, but it shockingly does not affect the EV conversation um, near as much as you would think. The way it would have affected it is if they would have spread that million across, say, like the top 100 or the top 200 teams from the regular season, then the EV calc would have changed a bit. But because it's all going to just one team, it doesn't really change the EV calc of the importance of week 17 relative to the weeks one through 14. In a perfect world, it would have. Um, We had to sacrifice 
um, a more interesting EV conversation for being able to market a million dollars to the week one through 14 winner. It does feel like the regular, like I love the regular season winner. We've talked about that a little bit on this show, but it does feel like you can't draft for that reason. Like that just means you got to draft a really good team. And it's not like week, you know, the final week of the regular season is going to be what puts you over the top. It's the rest of the the body of work there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish it. Yeah. I wish it was. Cause that would have made it more interesting. Like I, I love the idea. It's like similar in a dynasty league, right? Where you have some teams playing to win. Now you have some teams playing to win in the future. You have some teams trying to middle it. Like it kind of would have been fun if there was more like people approaching it from a cash game standpoint, um, trying to go for that week 14. But, um, that's just not the case with, with how it shakes out. Um, we are back on the <laughs> clock. I would lock it right there for us. Um, I don't even, I, I think we can continue to punt, uh, running back mm -hmm. down the road with this board. Like who do you want to take Tyler Lockett? I would say Ayuk or, or Lockett. All right. I'm going to put Ayuk in there. Um, so then Garrett Wilson next Garrett Wilson. What are, what were some of our, let's see, San Francisco. I'm just doing, getting, uh, familiar with my, my schedule here. Um, and seeing if there was anyone we wanted to. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with uh I'm fine with Garrett Wilson here. Uh ch -ch -ch. Oh, the yeah. irony that we should have taken Lockett and Garrett Wilson together for that that Jets Seahawks stack. What do you want I'm that? Sticking. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right, we'll grab Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I mean honestly though, like if you're not getting a at least a three man true lock stack, like what's the point? You gotta get you know, ideally four. You know, you get a little bit of Noah Fanton there too. Like otherwise, why even draft your lock if you're not gonna get the full yeah. like why get a Mercedes Benz if you're not gonna drive it a hundred thousand miles, you know? Yeah. Uh like Liam says, I wish one million for regular season was instead a hundred K to the top ten highest scores. Exactly. I think that would have made it um pretty interesting. Eric says, is there going to be a way to sweat regular season? Most points. I have not heard anything specific from underdog yet, but I would absolutely be shocked. Um, if they don't have this in place, I think this will be a very fun element of that. I know one of the kind of really big things missing from last year's finals was having a live leaderboard. Um, it was incredibly stressful having to share constant screenshot updates for our team, um, because there was, if you weren't in the finals, there was nowhere to go look at the leaderboard other than from within your account. So I, uh, I actually should talk to them and, and get confirmation, but I would be shocked if they don't have a really good live leaderboard system this year. I mean, they should also be doing like a live stream, like blow that thing out. If you're spending that million dollars on it or the million dollars of the prize pool, like I want to see Josh Norris and Hayden Winks and Tuxes doing full telethon mode with a, a like a thermometer going up that indicates who's going to win. I think they need to commit all the way to that bit. And it's going to be fun. I, I don't, it's tough with how it works for planning out a live final for best ball, right? It's not like DFS where you could qualify mm -hmm. in September and plan out a trip, you know, four months in advance. Like you find out if you're going to the finals, you know, December 24th or 25th, and then, uh, then the finals are going to be on new year's day. But can you imagine like how fun would that be, uh, underdog having like a, a January 2nd you know, Bill's Bengals watch party there uh, to go and sweat who is going to become a, a $2 million champ. That sounds pretty fun to me. I think we should make a commitment, Pete, that if either of us are live for either week 17 or the regular season finale, that we have to do a live stream of everything. <laughs> what does everything mean? Just like the entire, I mean, obviously if you have other show commitments, we can work around that, but I think we need to stream, I guess tilt space would, has the first rights to that though. So I guess I, I might be coming a little too late to the game here to given that you guys have, uh, how sad well, would it be? 
I already know what's going to happen. It's going to be New Year's Eve. We're going to, you're going to be counting down midnight as the Rams and Chargers uh, play on Sunday night football. Uh, no, sorry. That would be, that would be New Year's Day. Um, mm. Thursday would be December 29th. Yeah. It's going to, a lot of families and relationships are going to be stressed uh, around this time because uh, week 17 DFS, sweating $2 million, um, it would be good problems for us to have. Oh, it would be. I, and I think, honestly, Alex and Luca would support me. They might even tune to the stream where Jersey is supporting whatever we have to support. So uh, I think my family would buy in, Pete, if yours is, <laughs> yours is well, willing to. Keep drafting Drew Locke and you won't have to worry about your scheduling conflicts on New Year's Day, Spags. Josh in the chat saying Spags over under 0.5 teams still left in week 16. I would take the over there. I think I'm going to have at least two. Wow. Wow. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, man, getting to the finals is going to be so tough. Uh, and th- I, I think it's still, I mean, this tournament is so, so massive. The smart money on any of us, whoever is the best best ball player in the world, the smart money is on them not making any teams to the finals. So um, although week 16 is a little different calc, right? Because um, it's not quite as impossible to uh, to get there. I think I'm getting at least two. I mean, I'm also, I've committed, I'm doing 300 entries between this and the puppy. So um, that's, that is my promise that I will be grinding all summer long, both on these shows. And maybe, I don't know, I might, I might do some, some personal streams as well to get, a, get away from the Pete negativity, you know, and really focus yeah. on the positive, the embracing of Drew Lock culture. Well, we see what happens when you draft away from me and you draft um, five rookie running backs who are going to project for like six cumulative touches over the first seven weeks of the season. But when that ADP comes up in training camp, Pete, people are going to be ruined the day. They didn't draft the guys with no headshots. Spags will be sitting there fist pumping his CLV uh, that he got there. Tyler Algier is up to 101 <laughs> ADP. We've gained 40 points of value. Um, I really like uh, how this board has shake shaked out. Um, I feel like we um, timed the pockets well, uh, mm-hmm. grabbing Ayuk and Wilson there. And now we're in a pretty nice... Um, running back stretch. I was actually going to advocate for Kenny Galladay, just mentioning a little bit of our uh, potential Colts stack there. Um, but that goes off the table. And now I think we're looking at a couple of running backs, one of which I do think should be Ronald Jones with our week 17 uh, Chiefs Broncos matchup in mind. I think that's fine by me. I also feel like Melvin Gordon's not a crazy pick here, given what we just talked about. Um, is this is this so? Uh, no, no, I don't want to add Melvin Gordon with with this stack. He I would rather have TDs though. Like he does, that is a thing. No, I know, but I I don't. He's not like the prototypical like RB two that I'd prefer to add in with the quarterback, and I would rather grab a Hamler or Patrick later i would agree with that uh, patrick i don't think we're going to be able to get um let's see here so Ramondre? yeah i'm fine with uh Ramondre. um i'm just seeing if there's any i'm going to put Ramondre in the queue um we can probably still wait on quarterback a little bit um all right we, we can do Ramondre. okay that works um, yeah, Melvin Gordon, a uh, big Sal Vetri, uh, being a fan of him, really touting him left and right. Sal also shit all over um, Damian Harris in that latest Twitter thread too. Is like he's he was due for fifty five points of regression to the touchdowns. Like boy, Sal's coming for Damian Harris's family. Um, you know, you know what's so sick about you pushing Melvin Gordon there? 
uh, as your cat walks behind you uh, on the on the screen there. Um, I can tell that you actually didn't want to take um, Melvin Gordon. You're just worried about Sal encroaching on your Melvin Gordon personal brand, and you're getting greedy because right now there's nothing hotter in our corner of the internet than Spags' infatuation with Drew Locke. And couldn't you just enjoy that and relish that and have that be your thing? No. Now you want to draft Melvin Gordon because you feel threatened by Sal now associating his brand with him. That's that why, why I'm happened. on the big camera now? No, <laughs> it was for the cat. I don't want you. Uh... Do I have to rebuff these allegations? Yes. <laughs> yeah, look, I... I think Melvin Gordon. So the thing for me is, and that I learned from last year was like the best best ball lineups that I had were ones where I just took the lower ADP running back. So that's what I'm trying to do with everything right now. And not, you know, other than taking Jonathan Taylor at the 101, like that one is, you know, if you get that shot, just take that shot because it doesn't happen that often. But I feel like to me, that's why Melvin Gordon's viable though, is because everybody's taking Javante Williams. These guys were basically a 50 50 share. So like, I don't mind taking Melvin Gordon. He's not a guy I'm going out of my way for, Pete. Like, I'm not reaching for him at ADP like I did last year that much. I, you did get that out of me. But I will say, like, if you could just get him for cheap, like, take that flyer and the chance that Javante Williams just doesn't get as much work or, you know, somehow gets hurt. There you go. Um, yeah, I just, um, I have like, honestly, no problem with Melvin Gordon. I just don't necessarily love him, uh, with Russ Wilson. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, I think in a normal construction, I, I would be more inclined for Melvin Gordon, but I think, you know, like I was willing to take the double stack there just cause I think there's a shot we get scooped on Patrick and Hamler. Just people have been going crazy with those ADPs, but you yeah, know. we already got scooped on. I was kind of leaving a little candle open for Zach Ertz or Rondale to fall to us Rondi. with our Falcons. Yeah. And uh, what did you say? Rondi? No, Rondi, we're not yeah. making that. No, we're, we're, we're sticking with Rondale. Uh -oh. um, but that didn't happen. Uh, those guys, we would have had to have used um, our Garrett. I thought about bringing it up. I was like, we could just do Rondell over Garrett Wilson. I actually, actually think they're probably similar bets. Um, but I was going to try to play the ADP game and see if he could slip a little bit to us. Uh, demo Averay, uh, uh, really reaching for Tyler Algier here or Algier here, but, um, I, you know, that's this, that, that's this happening. is, this is definitely, uh, is true quintessential zero RB as you can get double taps quarterback at six, seven double taps, tight end at eight, nine. And then says, my God, I need Kadarius Tony still on this team. And um, he, this is the Spags build. I think you literally influenced Demo. Demo, are you in the chat? Did you see Spags' screenshot earlier? Are you going with the uh, exclusive rookie zero RB approach that I, I can't recommend in good faith? Uh, Dylan surprised that Steve took Lance before Tua. I think that I would take that more often than not. I feel like Trey Lance, I know people have the questions and I saw Matt Friedman just poking some more holes. A lot of people on social media. Holy more shit. Holes. Did you yeah. see Steve's team? No. Oh, <laughs> Alvin Cook, Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. He, it, this is bizarro. You know, Demo and Steve at the 11 12 are just having an ideological battle right now. There was actually a guy who took screenshots of his team because it was so insane. So he took Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Alvin Kamara, Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell, Miles Sanders, Ramondre Stevenson. And then at wide receiver, took Justin Jefferson, Alan Lazard, Devontae Parker, Marvin Jones, John Mechie, and Nico Collins. That's his team. 
Like that was, yeah. I saw that and was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And sometimes it happens in these rooms, Pete. Like the, I don't know what people are doing if they're just trying, like you get so deep in your head with get, being contrarian, but there are some like really minus EV drafts that sometimes go on on, on underdog. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes, you know, I, I love the friends and family draft. I love drafting with my friends, but sometimes I actually hate drafting with my friends and it's nice to draft with people who are drafting six running backs in the first seven rounds. Sometimes that is nice. It's a really nice change of pace. If you were to give advice to like a relative that wanted to do best ball and maybe you could save it for after our two picks coming up here, but I'd be curious, like what would be your advice to them to do? Like, uh, you know, not somebody's not going to invest the time and, and knowledge that you've accumulated, but all right, we definitely take a Kui Boonham yeah. to complete our double stack at a discount there. That's a no brainer. We are now able to be done at tight end as well. Um, as far as these other options, I don't, Hmm. I don't love the running back board right now. Um, I don't, I don't get much pickings. I wouldn't mind taking him. I, I don't have a, I don't have any pickings either. We can do that. Okay. All yeah, right. I mean, look, rookies whose ADPs could go up in camp. All it takes is him being outside and chase Claypool, TikToking himself to the sideline somehow. And pickings will be right there. Um, And now we are set up. We have, we have tons of different quarterback options. We have Wilson. We have Ryan. We have Pickett. We have Mariota. So like, we can kind of pick our spot at quarterback heading the uh, the rest of the way. And we could also, I think we could do a three QB build if we want. Um, whether that's like, if we want to like push it towards the like picket Mariota side, I think that could be a three QB configuration. Whereas if we grab Matt Ryan or Zach Wilson, I think then we were, we're safe and comfy with two quarterbacks. The very reasonable Kevin Tompkins in the chat saying he saw a guy taking 10 running backs at one QB in his best ball mania three stream on Wednesday. Uh, that's, that's a lot of running backs, Pete. And I hope they weren't correlated at all. Yeah. I, I talked about that in my first video with Doomner on the deposit kingdom channel. I mean, the win rates for even just taking your fur taking four running backs before round seven were, um, just atrocious, uh, last year. And uh, uh, so my, my question that we that we kind of glazed over, but I do want to just get your take on it. And obviously your, oh, yeah. your video talking about best ball approaches, like that's going to be the thing to watch. But if you were to give people one bit of advice, like that they could just take this and watch this show and go draft on a best ball mania right now, what would that advice be? I would say, um, don't, um, try to IKB the, um, ADP. Like I know we're still early on, but like even now, like the ADP is pretty efficient. There's so many drafts. There's so many sharp drafters. The ADP is being updated more or less in real time. Um, trust the ADP to be your guideposts. And then the one, like if I could just say to have this overarching thing of just like what you do in those first four, three or four rounds, where you spend money, where you spend your draft capital, let that inform what you do later. Say you, say you just want to take Mahomes so bad. That's fine. But then make sure you're just going with two QBs and waiting later to grab that second QB. Say you just want Kyle Pitts like we did so bad. That's fine. But now don't go to a three tight end build. And so understanding just like the basic kind of structures and knowing you're, you're two to three quarterbacks, you're somewhere from five to eight running backs, you're somewhere from seven to 10 wide receivers and somewhere from two to three tight ends. And then knowing that the the variability there is on a sliding scale of where you've already deployed capital. And I know that's like a lot to throw out, but it's just like where you spend early dictates where you spend late.
Yeah, so it's not even about a structural drafting as much as it is just, you know, leaning in on the things that uh, you're doing and you're making your bets. And the drafting like you're right is something that I've been trying to do a lot of. Um, it, it's very much like we talked about on the show. It's the equivalent of the telling a story with your showdown lineup. But it is one of those things that I think makes it a little bit easier to palette where um, if you're betting on Jonathan Taylor, like Naheem Hines is going to be useless because you're right about Jonathan Taylor. And that's sort of thoughts you got to have. Uh, Demi in the chat saying he's battling it out with Steve right now for ideological supremacy. So your corollary, Pete, that every time we are drafting on one of these shows that people are just always in the chat is in fact correct. Here's Demi. It is true. They always come. And I will say, I want to use this as a teaching moment, Spags, because I like what Demi has done here. I was joking about the all-rookie QB, but I do feel like Gainwell, I mentioned White and uh, Hines and McKissick, Gainwell fits into that bill for me too of like, does Gainwell have true bell cow upside? Probably not. He's he's not your super smash contingent play, but we do know he'll probably have some kind of locked in pass catching role um, in most games. And the fact that he can give you five, even six points um, in some of these early weeks, if Algier and um, Spiller haven't you know seen the field yet, that's that's important. And those points add up early on. Then you let the chaos of the season kick in, let those rookies get supercharged. So this would be uh, nice textures here uh, as far as the type of secondary running backs you're taking. Yeah, and just getting those lottery tickets at running back, which tend to be the thing that spikes the uh, these lineups the most. I think that's fitting all the things that I've been trying to research more just so I don't embarrass myself on these streams with Pete. And one day, Pete, I want you to be so proud of me that you're like, yeah, let's go draft one of my account, kid. And we'll be like, um, <laughs> throw the ball to me to play catch. Even like, um, kind of like a like a, a 1950s dad, even if I am proud of you, I'll never actually show it. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um so we did lose Ryan and Zach Wilson. So I think we are probably heading toward a three QB build later. So let's put that off. We're done at tight end. Um, running back wide receiver here. What do you see in eight seconds? I think it's Osborne, I guess. I don't um, feel great about it, but like there's I don't, enough pathways for him to be useful. I don't love that, but we didn't have a lot of time to make any other decisions. I just can't justify reaching so much for anything. Like I like Brian Robinson. I don't like him that much i don't think yeah I, this I draft, Robinson. this draft is like surprisingly uh running back heavy yeah um man yeah i do not like this spot all right let's we can do brian robinson yeah i like i like honestly all the washington running backs i feel like their adps tend to be robinson honestly is the one that's probably getting drafted ahead of adp the most but like mckissick and gibson like i think there's enough ways that any of these guys could win this backfield, you know, by the end of the season, and, and it wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, but I think you know there is value in the Washington running backs. Yeah, I just haven't been as hyped about Brian Robinson because it kind of feels like the Zamir White situation with Oakland as well, where it's like even if you have an injury to Antonio Gibson or an injury to Jacobs, like you're sliding into the two down plotter role, and you're going to be capped from a three down upside. Like I just don't think the paths to a bell cow back are there. And so I prefer that those rookies to have a little bit of pass catching juice, um, to them as opposed to just hoping for an injury and then running really efficient around the goal line. Um, and I just think like Antonio Gibson is good. I don't see the paths to Brian Robinson, just beating him out for that role, just with performance without an injury. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's a reasonable take. I think for me, the Robinson thing is we just know Gibson's injury history. His shin was cracked in half last year, even though they were letting him play through it. So I think there's a way for him to get those goal line touches and be just viable enough week to week. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable counterpoint as well. Top Sat asking, Pete, what's your take on getting unique early? Herzig and Leone were saying since ADP shift a lot, not taking digs uh, with 102, for example. If you're on the other side, curious to hear your take. So any thoughts on game theory in the early spots? Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's bad. I do agree that right now, like ADP is still settling in a way that um, I don't think it's necessary right now. Um, but I, I mean, when August rolls around and like the prime example is the team that Eric Beimfor and I drafted that finished top 10, we took Devonte Adams at 103. We were able to get CeeDee Lamb and Keenan Allen on the turn. Now, a lot of people could get Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb on the turn, but most teams that have Devontae Adams as their first pick at the time he was going pick 1-7, sure, you could grab Lamb or Keenan there early, but then the other one of those guys isn't coming back to you in the third round. So the thought is you're not actually sacrificing that many projected points and you're getting, here we go, a textured uh, difference to your start that other people don't have. So if you're not giving up a ton of projected points and you're not doing it crazy, like I truly believe like the top 30 picks, like their range for projected points and ceiling outcomes isn't meaningfully different enough to be that anchored to the ADP. I think the point they're saying is that there might be points throughout the offseason where the ADP shift and then people end up with the same combinations that you've had. But I do think as ADP settles and we really see familiar starts and stacks happen over and over that there is some value to mixing it up a little bit. And that's why I have no problem taking Jamar chase one one or Cooper cup one one Like you're going to get a slightly textured different start. And you're, are you really sacrificing that much um, in projected points? I, I don't think you are. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been trying to take guys like, cause I really don't get the two spot a lot. Um, so I've been taking McCaffrey. If I do get there, I've been taking Taylor. If I get the one one just cause I'm not getting enough exposure to those guys normally. Um, but I have been getting a lot of Cooper cup and everywhere from the three spots, the six spot. So I think that's why I haven't gone that way. And I just personally, I don't think Diggs is worth like a one Oh two. Like he, what did he show us last year? Like I, I don't know that unless you think he's really going to positively regress to the year before, but like, I don't see how that happens with Gabe Davis and Shakir and, and Emmanuel Sanders still being there. Dawson Knox. And for like, I just don't think Diggs is worth that personally. The other part of this too, is like, we are now in a landscape and sometimes the call is coming from inside the house where, you know, wide receivers are going like in previous years. I mean, even coming off of monster seasons, I'm not sure if Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson would all be, you know, top five or six picks. Like last year, this was a little more effective where the the top five, six picks were all running backs. So not only are you getting kind of unique with that first pick, but you're really setting yourself up for a different textured board. Whereas like right now, if you take Cooper Cup 101, like when we took them in the ship chasing draft, it wasn't because, oh, what a unique start we're going to get. It was just like, there's gonna be a shit ton of wide receivers taken and I want to get out ahead of it. Um, but if we see a dynamic like that, settle later in the off season, which I don't actually think it will, I, I, see, I have a hard time envisioning running backs jumping chase and Jefferson and cup and kind of sticking there. I guess I just, I can't really envision how that would happen at this point. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't think it's quite as sexy of a, you know, a, a fancy play as it was last year, but I still think there's merit to thinking through it. And I think those guys even mentioned on their podcast as well, like in the puppy drafts, if these are filling within a week and that ADP just stays like, pretty much locked for that week just because there's not enough news and information to meaningfully shift it. 
that's another place where I think having really unique starts um, could be very beneficial. Also, did I misspeak? Like, is Emmanuel Sanders was supposed to be coming back to the Bills? Wasn't that a news item that came out around the draft? Like that they were thinking about they were going to get him back on cheap. I guess they're. Um, I thought I thought Manny was uh, was gone. I thought he was coming back and they were getting rid of Beasley. Either way, I might have misspoke there. So uh, don't don't account for your Emmanuel Sanders exposures. Um, Do you? I mean, because we don't have something, I feel like we absolutely have to take here. Do you want to double tap uh, Pickett and Mariota? Like you're never gonna get me off of Marcus Mariota, so yeah, sure, why not pick it in Mariota? I'm just looking at like the other stuff here. Um, if there's like anything we have to have in this build that's on the board, yeah, I don't think so. We, uh, we really think... we got fleeced at QB. I feel like people went a little too early on the, those ADPs. Yeah, and it, it it this works out with the three QB build. Uh, Pickett and Ross both week nine. Um, we get our double stack here with uh Mariota, Pitts in London, which I like when we make that big bet on the Falcons. And then we can wrap up with a fifth running back and end up with a three, five, eight, two build that uh I feel decent about. Um so I wanna I see I don't want to tip what I our pick is going to be, but this guy doesn't get drafted in a lot of drafts. And honestly he might go because we're going to the last pick of the 18th round. Uh, yeah, sorry, Jameson Crowder took the Beasley role. Um, I would say overall, like Hassan Haskins shouldn't be going in the 18th round. I said that up top. What is what like, is with your Hassan Haskins uh, infatuation? I haven't heard this take yet. So it's worth reading the Mike Tanier's article in Football Outsiders today, like detailing Derrick Henry. And he used some sports info solution numbers, which is basically the equivalent of, you know, broken tackles per play, basically. Derrick Henry's been at the bottom of that. He also, the 370 carries thing is one of those things historically that does tend to lead to running backs getting worse. Haskins to me, like body type wise, and this was also in a Salvetri thread. So, you know, it's not just me talking out my ass. Hassan Haskins is Derrick Henry. He's just not like, you know, doesn't have the profile, obviously. But like in terms of that offense, he can play the Derrick Henry role. There's no foreman there. Like, I think he's a guy that can be one of those guys that bubbles up earlier than the end of the season, but still definitely at the end of the season, just because I don't think Henry makes it through the season. Like, I think that's uh, you're asking a lot for Henry to get through that just based on the historical kind of view on things. Yeah, I don't think it's an awful thesis. I I think, you know, sometimes we see, like if Derrick Henry were to go down, I I really doubt that Hassan Haskins would be the one-for-one handcuff in the way I kind of think like Deontay Foreman would be for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I I think Dontrell Hilliard would be involved. He was actually pretty decent last week and offers kind of like a nice compliment, um, a bit more of a change of pace back with, with Haskins. So I think it would be more of a split. Um, but I don't, I don't mind the thought on, um, if you can nail, like, it feels a little like the Chuba Hubbard thing, right? Where it's like, it lines up, it's got the rookie, you take over for the, the injured guy taking the first round, but then it actually happens and you're not actually in, um, a full bell cow role. So I worry a little bit about his contingent upside, but I don't hate the thought. He had a lot of measurables, and I just feel like based on, like, you know, I know we've taken Terry and Davis Price in these drafts. People still take a Trey Sermon. Like, there is a very obvious pathway to him. I just don't think he should be that low of an ADP if we're taking flyers on all these other guys who have, you know, pretty insecure roles. Like, even Damian Pierce, like, is going very early. And, like, I think he's still a decent pick, but I don't know, like, Haskins at the last round or Damian Pierce in, you know, the 11th, the 10th in some drafts. Like, I feel like that to me just feels incorrect. So that's, that's where I'm going with it is more that I could see Haskins bubbling up. If like Henry just doesn't come back and, you know, or gets hurt in training camp or something weird, like he would immediately jump up a hundred spots. Um, yeah, I, uh, 
I have two I have two really good pick ideas for us that fit the um the structure and the build uh, of this team. Obviously we're taking a running back and I think we could be looking at running backs against our week 17 quarterbacks that we have yet to stack. We did obviously get the Rojo bring back on our Denver Broncos, but we have the Steelers playing the Ravens and I have a, a rookie running back that uh, can actually fit some molds here for us potentially. And then also we have, the uh, Falcons playing the Cardinals. We, of course, missed on some of the other pass catchers, but uh, a couple potential late running back sleepers on the Cardinals. So I think that's the direction I would be pushing us toward. There was one. Um, I, I also think Keontae Ingram is a guy that just should be getting drafted higher too, just given what we know of that role uh, with James Conner, James Conner's injury history. There's no Chase Edmonds there. You know, Benjamin's probably too small to carry a pretty big load. Um Sonny Michelle, too, honestly, like I know in terms of the dustier tier, I think is also viable. But like Haskins or Ingram to me, like they should be going a lot more in the 18th round. Yeah, uh, I still I don't know if this is a bad take. I don't know if it's just me still holding on to my biases, but I do prefer, you know, Benjamin to Keontae Ingram, partly because Keontae Ingram looks a lot like, Eno Benjamin and, Eno Benjamin has essentially been redshirted now for what is this his third year, be his second year uh, or his third year in the league. And so I don't know. I just feel like we've seen with the Cardinals where they're a little slow to embrace some of these um, rookie running backs. And I do think Eno's profile, like, he can catch the ball and he can run inside. And so I, I'm pretty excited about like, it's honestly the similar conversation with Derrick Henry and who's behind him, where I feel like if James Conner got hurt and they don't feel comfortable with Keontae uh, Ingram, I really feel like Eno would legit be a near bell cow back in that offense. I don't think so. I think they would use him like the Michael Carter role. Like Keontae Ingram's six foot two twenty, and Eno's like five, nine. I just feel but, like we've seen a lot point, of height bias for these running backs lately. Right. And I'm just saying like, it's, it's with, with the capital that they've spent on these guys, um, there's nothing tying them to saving face with them and they, they have to earn it. And there's a lot of risk in these rookie running backs being ready to, you know, protect Kyler Murray out on the field. So if you want to take Eno here, we can. I also, you know, look, I've, I'm going to get enough Haskins and Ingram anyway that I don't need to, but I'll defer to you. I'm going to go with Eno here just to get my little stamp of approval on this team. Just this little cherry when you look back on this one and go, oh, yeah, I did draft that one with Pete. It'll be like, oh, uh, Titleist one Pete costs a million dollars by not taking Keontae Ingram. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What are we going to name this one? I don't know. Flash yeah. play. E Eno Pino. More like Pino. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. You know, Blojamin is what I call it. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. Um, let's recap this team for the, the audio listeners here. So three quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Marcus Mariota. We went with a, a pretty classic anchor build here with Jonathan Taylor, waited till pick 120 to grab our RB2, Ronald Jones. Also added on Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson Jr., and Eno Benjamin. Not a lot of pass catching floor. Um, in this build, but I don't think that's um, necessarily a bad thing. Our wide receivers, AJ Brown, Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton, Drake London, Brandon Ayuk, Garrett Wilson, George Pickens, KJ Osborne. We do, of course, have double stacks with Mariota, a, a single stack um, with uh, Kenny Pickett, and uh, a double stack with uh, Russell Wilson as well. And then our two tight ends, 
Kyle Pitts and Albert O. I like this team. We did. Oh, look, we're drafting well. I I do think you know Nez pointing out in the chat that I've been going nuts on BBM since the last video. I again, I this is the only way I'm going to max it out is by doing this uh, this heavy early on. But I also think too, like you could hopefully see watching these shows when you do these many drafts, like it does start to become like muscle memory, and you still kind of get to where you know these guys are going to fall. Obviously, people doing something weird like Steve. I know. Uh, we got Demi in the chat asking for thoughts on Steve's team. He's claiming that Steve was sending him hate DMs the whole time, calling him a commie because of their different approaches, Pete. But I feel like overall, like, you know, that's just the kind of stuff you build in the more you do drafts. And I know you could probably speak to that as well as anybody. Just doing a lot of drafts just makes you better at doing drafts. Crazy to hear. It is. Uh, let me see here. So Demi ended up with a 2682. Um, I like this a lot. I think this is um how you do zero RB. Um, and I think you can't even justify, uh, a two, seven, seven to build with this. Um, just because you're so loaded at wide receiver early. Um, I don't know if you necessarily have to tack Quez Watkins onto that and you might benefit from one more running back crack, but, um, this is a pretty good, it's a pretty good zero RB team. Uh, I think. And then as far as Steve, the exact the three, opposite. six. The three, six, seven, two. So yeah, Trey Lance and Tua, I don't think you need a third quarterback with those two. Kirk Cousins feels a little con to me, especially after you have already taken Dalvin Cook. Um, I mean, just the testosterone, just absolutely pumping. You're not going to have enough wide receiver firepower here uh, to compete. Um, very, very hard to win BBM three when MBS is your wide receiver two. And you just need, if it, this goes back to the whole thing, like you can do running backs early. You could even probably get away with taking four running backs early, but then you just absolutely have to stop. How is Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs ever entering this lineup? If you're drafting as if you're right, you're going to be filling that score every single week with Cook, Mixon, Montgomery, and Gibson. So this is just not um, a smart way to allocate your capital. And then even a little thin, at, at wide receiver or at tight end, uh, as well. Um, I think this is just fringe enough that I'd probably want a, a three tight end build here. I mean, anytime you can get the Browns receiving core that cost Baker Mayfield his entire career, you got to do it. That's Jarvis yeah. Landry, Odell Beckham, David and Joku. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't get what Steve was going for here, but you got to admire being contrarian. That's if you're going to be contrarian, you know, go, go, go like that. Right. That's right. Um, Fun, fun, fun show and fun draft though. Uh, I like it when it's like a hybrid friends and family so we can get a Steve crew, you know, popping the high tea pills and, uh, you know, just get, get a few different, uh, philosophical, uh, strategies going here. And if you want to play over an underdog, use that promo code splash, double your deposit up to $100. It's a lot of fun drafting now, obviously having to schedule out. It's going to make some sharper players. We saw Liam in the chat. Certainly one of those guys going to be putting the schedule to good use for himself. So do the same for yourself over an underdog. Now use that promo code splash, double your deposit, check out football outsiders. Again, check, check out the Derrick Henry article on the homepage, especially if you're a big believer on him, it may at least make you think a little bit differently about it. I think challenging your takes is a very important part of, of what you should be doing for football. So go to footballoutsiders.com. Check out the articles on there. FO Plus, uh, the premium subscription packages we're ramping up behind the scenes on for. I'm very excited what we're going to do. I'm going to have a lot of influence on what we're doing there. So my goal is to make it a good product that helps you understand football better if you're just a regular fan. And then we'll also inform your wagering, your, your fantasy, your best ball, all that stuff. So go check out footballoutsiders.com. Make it a part of your daily habit because we're doing the best we can to fill the offseason. Pete and I will be back on Monday at 2.30. So make sure you are subscribed to Pete's channel as well as the Splash Play channel. And follow at Peter Rivers at follow at Chris Spags. And follow at Splash Play Pod. Pete, any final words for you before we call it quits? 
yeah, check out uh, FF Dynasty Guru Pete's uh, top 12 rookie ranks over on the Deposit Kingdom YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, um, I will also be back Monday morning to do uh, a Best Ball Mania draft for Best Ball Breakfast at 10 a.m. We'll have the Fantasy Life newsletter out as well, looking uh, at more of the schedule stuff. And then Spags and I will be there at 2.30. So uh, going to you know chill this weekend, and then we'll be back at it on Monday. Yeah, the grind never stops here on this show, so come hang out with us on Monday at 2.30. We'll see you guys then. Enjoy your weekends, and good luck in whatever you're doing.